0: I want you to take your mind back to Victorian England... Victorian England, the uh, Industrial Revolution was in full swing. All of these new miraculous inventions were just transforming society, right? Think of the world of Charles Dickens, okay? The steam engine was coming online. The, the, the power loom, locomotives. Factories were springing up everywhere you looked, and, and they were bringing cheaper goods to the masses and making luxuries like sugar and cotton commonplace. All this new technology was awesome. Except when it wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Except for the child labor and the homelessness and the toxic smog choking the city streets. Uh, Also, except for the fact that they were doing, like, horrific medical experiments on people in the name of science. uh, Doing things that they thought might work, like putting cocaine in the cough syrup. (laughs) I mean, like, except for all that stuff, it was great, right? Yes, the Industrial Revolution, it changed our world but it took like a hundred years or more for us to adjust to this new reality, all these new, these new technologies, this industrial technology, to adjust without it just chewing up humanity in the process. Arguably, we're still adjusting to the Industrial Revolution, right? All that great progress came with a very significant cost for humanity, Now, why are we talking about Victorian England, right? That's a good question to ask. Well, we're talking about it because the Industrial Revolution changed our world. And just like that, we are living through another massive shift for humanity. You could call it the Digital Revolution. The Digital Revolution. Just think about what has happened in in my lifetime alone, all right? In my lifetime alone, we have gone from record players and, and using a, you know, having to walk across the room to change the channel on the TV, you know, yes, they had other technologies, but we weren't like, I just remember those, okay? That was in my life. To now, we have a piece of glass in our pocket that will give us access to all human knowledge, uh, okay, we, we now can actually pick up our phones and, and have a conversation with a moving, talking picture of somebody on the other side of the planet instantaneously. That's nuts, right? We can do all of this. We can, we can tap a button and hot food shows up on our front porch in minutes. That is insane. This new technology that we have is awesome. Except when it isn't. Uh, Except when it isn't. You probably knew I was going there. You see, all this digital technology, this digital revolution of our world, yeah, it's changing everything, just like the Industrial Revolution did. But frankly, I don't think we've left the cocaine and the cough syrup phase, okay? I think we're still there. We are choking on this smog of, of progress, so to speak. As miraculous and incredible as these new technologies are, they are chewing us up like orphans from some Dickensian nightmare. That's the world that we live I mean, think, think about the, the, the cost of all of this technology. Think of what it's cost us to have these new miraculous inventions. We are more anxious and alone than we've ever been. We're anxious and alone. Uh, society is fractured. Social media has stunted adolescence, and our young people are suffering because of it. Disinformation is like threatening the basis of democracy. There's all these powerful algorithms out there that have, that have made us all hopelessly addicted to the dopamine hit that we get from the next scroll of the thumb. And frankly, we are completely dependent on our devices now, dependent on them to remember things, to, to uh, interact with other human beings, to survive. I mean, this is the world that we live in. We are all like little Oliver twists, right? Walking around saying, please, Siri, I want some more. Uh, hey, I gotta laugh. I was very convinced that the, the Venn diagram of who would find that joke funny was like really, really slim. So yes, I'm so happy. I told Liv that joke, my my wife, and she did she did just blank stare. She did not think that was funny at all. Here's my point. Here's my point. It took Victorian England decades, right, to, to agree to not have, like, four-year-olds in coal mines, all right? It took them some time to adjust, and we've got our own adjusting to do to this new, brave new world that we're living in. We've got to adjust to the pitfalls and the, the, the challenges that come with all this new technology. We've got work to do. Oh, and by the way, I mean, this might as well just say this, we may be at the, at the onset of an entirely new revolution before we've even adjusted to the old one, right? I'm talking about artificial intelligence. This could potentially change our entire world again, and we haven't even adjusted. We're still adjusting to the industrial revolution, so good luck, humanity, right? Bottom line, bottom line, technology is changing our world as we speak, and we've got some work to do. But here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, I'm convinced, I'm firmly convinced that we do not have the option to just be swept along by all these changes just like everybody else. I don't think we have that option. We have a role to play, a role to play in showing our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and our world what it looks like to reflect God's justice and his love and his peace and his self-control in our rapidly changing world. And that is what this new series is all about. Virtual reality. Five biblical principles of how we as Christ followers can, can and should live in the midst of the digital revolution. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Very biblical principles. (laughs) It wasn't the height of technology when the Bible was written like the plow. Uh, And yes, you're right. That's true. Which is why we're not going to be looking in the Bible for advice about self-driving cars. Okay? That's not what we're going. What we're going to be looking at are principles that talk about human nature, that talk about the way that we interact with a broken world as followers of Jesus. These are principles that were relevant in ancient Israel, and they are relevant today, and they will be relevant when we're colonizing the moons of Jupiter or whatever. These are relevant biblical principles because, and here's why, technology changes, but humans don't. Human nature is the same. So we still have a lot to learn, even about the technological world that we're living in, from our spiritual ancestors. So, should we dive in? Should we take a look at what uh, one of them has to say? Uh, why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 17, page 898 in the House Bibles. Uh, and while you're doing that, while you're turning there, I am going to pray for us. Father God, I'm excited uh, about this series. I'm excited that we get to, we get to ask you what you would have us do, how you would have us live in this, this digital world that we are living in. We don't want to just be at the mercy of these forces. And so, Father, would you, would you open our eyes to, to the way that we can align our lives to reflect you in our world? As I preach, would you just help me to disappear and let your Holy Spirit remain? And would you give us all ears to hear what you have to say for us, to us this morning? I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read John 17 just a second. I want to give just a little bit of a context of the principle that we're going to talk about today, the first of the biblical principles, because this one is kind of like the overarching principle, the one that kind of covers all of it before we get into uh, the rest of them. Now we're going to answer questions such as like how we should use technology well, and how do we stay healthy, and all those things. We're going to get there in this series, but we have to start with a Pretty more, a more fundamental question to begin with, which is this: Should we use it at all? Should we be using technology at all? Because maybe the, the answer to the pitfalls of the digital revolution is just to like burn it all to the ground, right? Maybe some of you want to do that you know smash our phones, move out to, to, out to the country, start some kind of Technology-free commune where we don't have to think about Elon Musk at all. Like, doesn't that sound like paradise, right? We could do that. We could do that. Now, look, that may sound like paradise to some of you, but let's see what Jesus had to say uh, because I think it will open our eyes. So, real quick context: in the Gospel of John, chapters thirteen through seventeen are is essentially where Jesus is teaching and praying for his disciples. during the Last Supper, right before he goes to his crucifixion. So these are kind of his final thoughts, and what we're about to read is part of his final prayer for his disciples. So verse 13 of chapter 17 of John, here's what Jesus is praying to his father. He says, Father, now I am coming to you. I told them, my disciples, many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Okay, let's just stop here for just a moment. Jesus is saying here that, that, that his disciples are not a part of this world. We don't belong to this world. We are not literally of the world. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, we have to talk about this word world and what what, is, what does John mean? Because John, the, the writer of this gospel, he uses that word a lot, 78 different times. Um, this word for John, in, in Greek, it's the word "cosmos," cosmos, which can in Greek can mean anything from the world to the universe to humanity. And in John, it kind of seems to be shorthand for all people or all of humanity or, or just the general sense of the world around us. So if you're reading John and you see him reference the world, it's, it's like the world, human society is walking in darkness. The world, the cosmos, is full of sin. So when you look out your window, what you see is humanity that is lost in selfishness and chaos. That's the plight of the cosmos in John. And so when Jesus here is saying that his followers are not of the world, that we do not belong to the world, what he means is that we are meant to be distinct from the world around us. We're distinct from the darkness because we are a new humanity. We are meant to look different from the rest of the cosmos. Are you with me? We are supposed to be distinct. So how do we do that? How, how can we be distinct? Well, if you were to ask teenage me in the 90s, evangelical little teenage Barry, I would have had a great answer for you. Uh, and it came, comes right out of this passage because it was a, a little slogan that I heard all the time. This was the slogan We are in the world, we're not of the world. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. We're in the world, we're not of the world. And for, again, teenage me, the meaning of that was very, very clear. You don't watch R-rated movies. You don't hang out with non-Christians. You, you don't listen to secular music, right? That was, that was You can keep your rage against the machine, the world, because I'm going to listen to DC Talk. That's how it's going to be, right? That was my understanding of this, because I may be in the world, but I'm not of it, right? That was my, my little holier-than-thou mindset that I had. You know, I'm in the world. I'm not of the world. So, okay, maybe there's the answer to our question about technology, right? If, if, if we want to have that mindset, we just need to withdraw. We need to not let this technological landscape corrupt us at all. We're going Amish. We're going Amish. We're moving out to the country. We're deleting our Instagram accounts, and we're learning how to churn butter. Who's with me? Let's do it, right? At least that's, that's how it goes if you think this way. If we're not of this world, so let's get out of here. The digital technology that can be so dangerous and detrimental to our health and and all of it, if that's the way it is, then let the world have it. They can have it. We're going to do our own thing. Problem solved. Except, hold on, wait a second. Is that really what Jesus is saying here? Is that that what he wants? He, He wants his followers to withdraw from society and wait for the afterlife? Is that what this is all about? Well, let's keep reading, and, uh, and we'll see if we can find an answer to that. He continues. He says, look, I, these followers don't belong to the world any more than I do. Verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us, by the way. I pray that they will be all that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. So, Jesus is praying that his followers and all the followers that will come after them, including us, would be made holy, holy. That's another way in in biblical language of talking about being set apart, different, distinct, distinct from the world around us. So again, you see that word holy and you think, okay, Jesus wants us to withdraw from society. But then look at what he says in verse 18. Look at what he says in verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world into the world. Whoa, all of a sudden we realize that we've been saying that slogan wrong this entire time. We've been misinterpreting, misquoting this verse. It's not in the world, not of it. It's into the world, not of it. Into the world. There's intentionality here. There's, There's mission. This changes everything for me because if you look at it this way, we are not just in this dark world. We are being sent into it. You see the difference? There's a big difference. This is way different than just us Christians hanging out in some holy huddle. That's not what this is. Jesus is sending us into the world, as he says, in the same way that his father sent him. So how did his father send him? Well, you got to flip back a few pages to John chapter 3 and we get our answer. John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Listen to this. God sent his son into the world. There's that exact same phrase. Not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God, out of his incredible love, he sent his son into this dark world. Not to condemn it or to judge it, but to save it. He sent his son to transform the cosmos. Jesus didn't avoid the darkness. That's exactly where he spent his time. He went into it. That's how Jesus was sent into the world. And according to him, that's how we are too. So we've got these two truths that that are both existing at the same time. One, yes, we are called to be holy. Holy people, set apart. We are called to be free from the corrupting influences of sin and and injustice and hatred and all the rest of it. We are supposed to be different. We are not of this cosmos. We don't belong here. We shouldn't look like the rest of humanity. But truth too is that that holiness of ours, that set apartness, it serves a purpose. That holiness allows us to bring God's healing into the places that need it the most. Christ's holiness is contagious. We don't withdraw, we move in so it can spread. Teenage me had it entirely wrong. We are not of this world, but we are sent into it to change it, to transform it, to bring the light of Christ into the darkness. We don't withdraw. Okay. So with all that in mind, let's get back to our question about technology. If we're living in the midst of the the digital revolution, whether we like it or not, if that's our world, what are we as Christ followers supposed to do? Should we withdraw? Should we pull back? I think the answer is pretty clear. No. No. No, when it comes to this dark world of ours, Jesus has called us, yes, to be holy, but he has also sent us in. So this is our first principle for the series, and it's probably the most important one for you to remember. As a follower of Jesus in the digital world, you are on a mission. In this digital world, you are on a mission. Your job should you choose to accept it, is not to withdraw, but to move in, to bring healing into the brokenness of your day. Back in Victorian England, right, as new industries were transforming society, let me tell you what the world did not need. The world did not need Christ followers to abandon the technology of their day and leave the cities behind. No, no. What it needed was followers of Jesus who were willing to move in to the filth. That's what the world needed. Christ followers who were willing to adopt orphans off the streets and to advocate for labor reforms and the abolition of slavery and to fight for women's right to vote, to start businesses that were focused on on improving society, not just getting rich off of it. Now, some Christians did that. A few did exactly that. But So many more, they sat on the sidelines. They withdrew. So much so that the church in England began an inexorable slide into irrelevancy. It was a missed opportunity. Well, today the revolution is different. The technologies are different. But the invitation that we have to mission, it's the same. What if? What if this time we didn't let the moment pass us by? What if we, twenty twenty four Christ followers, what if we moved in to the filth of our world? What if we, we took these technologies that are so often abused and we worked to redeem them? What if we, the church, what if we set out to find those who have been crushed by this digital world and give them new hope? Yes, there will be times, there are going to be times where we have to be wise and limit our exposure to toxic and dangerous technologies, right? Because we are not of this world, we're called, called to be holy. And we're going to talk about that in this series. But what I want you to hear today is that we have an opportunity, an invitation to be more than just passive bystanders as our world changes around us. We have an invitation to be more than just the, the brain-dead humans of Wally, Right? We can be more than that. We can step into this brave new world with a Christ-like dedication to change it. Imagine, imagine if Christ followers started, I don't know, using social media as an opportunity to build bridges and not to sow more division and hate. Imagine that. Imagine if the church moved into the, the technology-fueled anxiety and depression of Generation Z with hope and ideas and open arms, not just shrugged shoulders and tisk-tisk. Imagine. Imagine if we started creating compelling new media that helps people reconstruct their faith in a skeptical time, that doesn't just rip down all the old structures. Imagine the church—I mean, this is crazy, but imagine the church inventing new applications for artificial intelligence that bring healing to our world and not just power to a few wealthy billionaires. What if we were on the front lines? And imagine, guys, imagine if we had and made and and used digital tools that would sharpen our faith and not just dull our minds. I believe all of this is possible. Not just possible, mandatory. Mandatory. It's mandatory because we are on a mission. As my dad always used to say, the church is God's plan A for the salvation of this world. And guess what? There is no plan B. There is no plan B. We're it. Who or what is going to save our world from the perils of this digital revolution? We are. In the name of the one we follow. Talk about raising the stakes, right? You are on a mission. You're on a mission. Now, over the next five weeks, we are going to talk about what that looks like. What does it look like for Christ followers to be on mission in a digital reality? What does it mean for us to be sent into the world of our day, even as we remain not of it? What does that look like? We're going to talk about uh, next week the content that we consume, that we create. Um, The week after that, we'll talk about uh, the powerful forces that are trying to keep us enslaved and addicted to our devices and what we can do about it, how we can start even freeing other people from that. We'll talk the week after that about our identity and how it is shaped online and maybe some some new ways of thinking about who we are in the digital space. And then the final week, we will explore the challenge and the necessity of rediscovering in-person, face-to-face relationships, even as we move in more deeply to our digital world. It's going to be an awesome series. And if you can't tell, I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited about this. For now, though, for now, as we wrap up this this initial foray into this new topic, I want to leave you with one final question to ponder, think about this week. Do some self evaluation. You know, I love some self evaluation. I want you to think about this question. In light of all we just talked about, how do you personally relate to the digital revolution? How do you relate to the digital revolution? For example, are you being chewed up? Are you being chewed up by the excesses of these new technologies, like an orphan on the streets of Victorian London? Is that you? Does your use of technology or, or, or the way that it affects you, does it look indistinguishable from the rest of the world around us? Are you being chewed up? Or are, are you withdrawn? Maybe that's where you are. You're refusing to engage with all this stuff. Are you moving out to the country so you don't have to breathe in the digital smog? Is that, is that how you are? Are you letting the rest of society just kind of wallow in the, in the progress of all this stuff? Are you withdrawn? Or... Are you moving into the filth in the name of Jesus? Are you on a mission in this digital world? Does the way that you use technology shine the light of Jesus into the darkness? Honestly, it's okay if your answer to that last last question is no right now, because you you haven't even been thinking in those terms. I mean, this is uncharted territory for us. All I'm going to say is this, what a privilege... What a privilege that our God has called us to be the generation to chart the path. It's a privilege. So think about that this week. Are you chewed up? Are you withdrawn? Or are you on a mission? Because we are not of this broken world, but we are sent into it. Let's pray. Well, God, I'm I'm sure um, there are probably some of us who are disappointed because we were looking for some top tips on how to not, I don't know, get addicted to our devices or something like that. And maybe we'll get there. But Father, I think what you've given us today is something that's arguably even more important, a way of looking at our world, not just technology, but all of our lives as an invitation to mission. And so, Father, I pray that as we wrestle with that and ask ourselves looking at this brand new year— What is our posture towards this broken world? I pray that you would light a fire in each of us, a fire of of hope and possibility and, and even excitement to dive in and go where you are, to meet you in the filth and to be a part of bringing holiness and healing and life to those who need it most. Give us the courage to move in, Father. Send us, and we'll go where you send us.